All right. Well, before we get going here, Josh and I just want to thank you for listening this calendar year. This is episode 14. Um, we know we've had a couple odd breaks in the in the show here. Um, some weeks we didn't get a show together, others we did. Life gets in the way sometimes. And uh, going into another year, we're looking forward to making more episodes as the sports stories continue to roll on. Uh, lots coming in the new year. Uh, but from Josh and I, we say, uh, I guess, belated Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. <laughs> uh, and we encourage you to sit on back, enjoy this uh, year in review special uh, on the MJ Sports Pod. You're listening to the MJ Sports Pod. With your hosts, Mike and Josh Vanderswag. Come on in and let's talk sports. In three, two, one. Let's go. Well, come on into the MJ Sports Pod Season 1, Episode 14, uh, our year in review special, I guess we could call it. It's uh, Josh and I are counting down top 10 sports stories. Now, the risk, Josh, when you do a top 10 is that everyone has their own views on what should be which number. And it's probably stories we don't even have on our list here that uh, people will be like, what the heck? <laughs> Why didn't you even talk about yeah. that, right? Um <laughs> But let's just start, before we even get into the top 10, let's just talk about some honorable mentions. So I think in 2022, we had the Winter Olympics in Beijing, and I was, um, I think it was good, right? There was so much COVID concern uh, going into that Olympics, and like lots of things happened. Athletes were there like weeks before testing, all that. But the fact they got the Olympics off and that it worked out to, I mean, some athletes didn't go, you know, the NHL wasn't there. I was, that's a whole side story to that. But the fact that everything kind of came out and rolled the way it should, I thought was a good good thing for the Olympics themselves, right? Because we'd already postponed. We had two Olympics in the span of six months because we had postponed the summer ones a year, uh, the Tokyo ones, and then we were in Beijing. So for two Olympics in a row, we are waking up at like, I don't know. I was waking up at like 4 a.m., sometimes 5 a.m. to watch a curling game, and it was the last one of the night. Like, it's just like, oh, there's a lot here. So uh, what did you think of that, Josh, the Olympics getting off and, and getting running, considering what was going on? Yeah, no, it was definitely impressive for sure. Like, uh, I didn't, I don't know. I'm not a big, like, Olympics guy. Um, more winter than summer, I guess, would be. Like, I like watching, like, uh, the hockey stuff and things like that. But uh, just impressive in general. Like you said, like, athletes having to show up so far in advance and go through all these different testings because that was when COVID was still kind of high at that point. So like just right. lots of stuff going on. So the fact that they were able to get the testing in place that they could uh, kind of get everyone there early enough that they could run, go through their COVID testing and get everything kind of streamlined and uh, worked out so that they could have an Olympics. Cause I mean, it's something like we don't really think about, but some of those athletes, like that's like, I don't know, like NHL, like that's where their NHL is their goal. But like some of these athletes in those Olympics, like that's, that's what they live and train for is to go to the Olympics and compete for their country. So, I mean, when you think about it, like think about that, like if it didn't happen, like, like you said, the summer ones were postponed, like all those people have been training for so long to get mm-hmm. there and then have it postponed. Like, the fact that they were able to kind of get it off the ground in Beijing and like 
provide a place for those athletes to showcase their talents was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And I like, I love, I mean, we live in Canada, maybe that's why, but I seem, I love, I gravitate way more to the winter Olympics than I do the summer Olympics. I like the track and field and those kind of things in the summer. Um, but to watch like some of those snowboard events, snowboard cross and ski cross, like the racing ones are like just oh, so man. fun to watch. That'll be a topic for another day. But uh, the the fact they got the Olympics off, I think deserves an honorable mention. Um, and their record's broken. Everyone's doing what they can, right? And to see Sean White uh, for the U.S. do his, uh, you know, snowboard one more time kind of thing. And uh, Mark McMorris for Canada. You had some names there, obviously, that people were looking for. Um, but another honorable mention that I think deserves to be, I follow it way more than you do. I know, but curling, um, Carrie Anderson, who lives, she's from Gimli down the road from where I am right now. Uh, she captured her third straight Scotty's title. So she's going to go into February being the reigning champ again, um, to do it three times in a row. She completely dis disbanded her team, brought four skips together. Um, and they've just been a force. Now they didn't go to the Olympics. That wasn't them, but um the fact that they were they were there was just you know in in the terms of the standings this year and and things that have taken place to win your third straight consecutive scotty's like it's hard to do back to back let alone three in a row um but that's just a feat for for curling and another honorable mention that we'll talk about here quickly is albert pujol sitting 700 career home runs he is now done (laughs) like his career um, but the fact that he hit 700, um, I think there's only three ahead of him that have ever done that. And so that's, that's a big class to be a part of. Um, but, uh, yeah, Albert Pujols, we salute you. Not that you'll listen to our pod, but, uh, <laughs> oh, we know, we know he does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, uh, what'd you think of that, Josh? I mean, 700 is no, no miniature feat per se. Right. So, uh, that's a big accomplishment. Yeah, no, definitely. And like, like, I don't, I think like you kind of said, I don't I really follow, uh, I don't know if that was about curling, but uh, I don't really follow baseball that much either. But uh, I mean, 700 home runs is pretty crazy. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, he kind of had a year or two there where it was like questionable, like if he could still do it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And like he had slowed down production and everything else. And He's starting to slow down, so to come back and be able to reach that milestone is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, I know it's it's a feat that, like I said, only I think three people have ever done it. Um, even when he came to Toronto this past summer, every time he got an at bat, the Toronto fans gave him a standing ovation. Like I'm talking every at bat, it was like what? And so he's just a loved character in the in the league. He's done so much for baseball. Um, like you say, there's a couple of years there where it's like, is he going to play anymore? And it's kind of cool that it would end in St. Louis where it all started for him. Um, but that's that's Albert. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side of the break to start breaking down the top 10 stories from an MJ Sports Pod view. Uh, so stay tuned with us. We'll be right back on the MJ Sports Pod. All right, welcome back to the MJ Sports Pod Season 1, Episode 14. So we've kind of gone through our honorable mentions. There'll probably be some more along the way. Um, But number 10, we're going to count these down in reverse. From our view, we kind of picked top stories that we want to talk about and then rank them. Um, 
the way we wanted to rank them. So you're going to listen to it. Um, so number 10, we're titling it the end of an era era. And uh, it's uh, Roger Federer and Serena Williams, both calling your quits this year. Now, since Serena's last game at the U S open, there's been like rumors that she'll come out of retirement and play again. But as of now, she is retired. Um, but the fact that her and Roger, like the goats of tennis for a time, uh, both call it quits in the same year is just phenomenal. And I've, I've grown to love tennis a little more, especially now that our Canadian players are starting to emerge on the big stage. Um, I mean, I've used Felix Ojealiasim as my performer of the week on this show before. Like, like it's, I started to gravitate a little more because we have guys that are actually doing good and girls, of course. But uh, to see Serena and Roger both call it quits, it's kind of like it's sad for tennis, but at the same time, what a run. Like they carried the sport for a long time. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like even I don't I don't watch I don't think I've ever watched a single tennis game or followed a single sp- storyline in tennis. And I still know who those people are. So like mm-hmm. that, <laughs> that says something for the like how good they were that for a person who's not a fan of the sport to know who these people are and know they're retiring. And that's a pretty big deal is like pretty crazy. Like, like you said, they're kind of the two goats. I was trying to think while you were talking there of like a, an analogy with another league, like two people retiring at the same time, but I can't think of any other league that has like two people that hot, like, retiring at the same time that would kind of be any sort of comparable to that like like i think crosby ovechkin if they retired in the same year that would almost be something similar that would be a different there's different uh view on that too but um but yeah to have two goats go out like that um i mean neither of them won obviously (laughs) like they both got eliminated where they're playing but um the fact and Serena, I mean, she's battled injuries and injuries and injuries. So the fact that she even played in the U.S. Open was something else. Uh, but to see Venus and the family there supporting her and cheering her on was uh, was pretty cool. Um, and I'll always know where I was when she played her last game. Like you have those moments in your mind, you're like, oh yeah, I watched that. So um, yeah, end of an era for sure. Um, does Serena play again? We'll see, right? Like I said, the rumors circulate already about that, and we'll see what happens. But um, what they did for the sport, I think the next name that retires uh, that will get kind of that kind of attention will be Rafael Nadal. Um, He's also done a lot for the sport of tennis. But, um, yeah, sports uh, headline number 10, end of an era. Number nine, we'll call it Falling Stars. Uh, The NHL draft took place in, uh, was it in July or June? Everything was thrown off on this year, but I think it was—I think it was July because I think it was—I think it was later. Yeah, I yes, it was July. Now I remember where I was. See, I—it's going to happen with every story. (laughs) Um, But the very interesting part, then the reason we call this "Falling Stars," is weeks leading up to the draft. Shane Wright, Shane Wright, Shane Wright, number one. That's what you heard. Um, Closer to the uh, closer to the draft, Craig Button said, "Okay, maybe Wright will be number two. Like, it was starting to be like, yeah, his play hasn't been as consistent. Montreal goes up there hosting the draft, okay? So there's already pressure on them. That market is just nuts, as all Canadian markets are. Um, they go up, and they pick Yari Slakovsky, and everyone's like, okay. So that was interesting. And then it's like, okay, so right, we'll definitely go number two. And then was it the Devils picking number two? They took Nemec? I think so, yeah. And then number three happened? 
and he still wasn't picked. And finally, Ron Francis goes up for there for the Kraken, fourth overall pick, picks Shane Wright. Shane Wright has, as as we know, the stare down to the Montreal table that he denies that wasn't what it was. Um, but what was your thoughts? I mean, I didn't watch the draft because now I remember where I was. I was busy with something that night. But uh, what's your thoughts thinking about that? Like, that guy was propped as number one all year um, and then default to number four uh, and then score your first NHL goal against the Habs for the Kraken was was kind of sweet justice for him, I think. Yeah, I mean, I always, like, the draft, like, there's years where it's, like, Connor McDavid or next year is Bedard, and there's, like, these guys that you're, like, okay, like, guaranteed number one. And they're going to make an impact right away, just the way they're playing already. Um, so the fact that like Shane Wright was so good, and then all of a sudden his play starts falling a little bit, and they're like, "Oh, I don't know." Like, I heard a couple interviews uh, through different podcasts and different sports things with, uh, oh, what's his name, the GM of Montreal. I can't think of his name right now, but. Uh, like different just different uh like interviews where he's like we're keeping all of our options open and like they weren't saying like who it was but like the Slavkovsky thing was kind of surprising but almost not at the same time just because of how like people started saying Shane Wright might be number two but uh the fact that he fell all the way to number four was kind of crazy I didn't expect him to fall that far just because and like I don't know. Is he that much better than Slavkovsky right now in the NHL? Like, I haven't really followed those two guys, but I don't think it's like a big spread by any means. Yeah, and um, Kent Hughes is the GM of the Habs. I couldn't think of the name otherwise. I would have chimed in there, but um, yeah. And I mean, you look at right now where Slavkovsky is playing for the Canadiens, where Shane Wright he's captaining the World Junior Team. So you can also throw that in there as a comparison. Um, as we record this, Canada is now two. Uh, oh, oh, and one. They've uh, they lost five two to Czechia, and then they eleven goals a game after that. So, um, yeah. So that's it's interesting though. I, I agree with you, right? And and the other side of this is that you can have these guys talk all they want. They can be propped up as number one all year. Bedard will be number one, right? Like no one's no one's throwing that out the window right now. Um, that that's not going to be the case. All these things can happen. But after they happen, it's up to you to prove your play. Mm-hmm. Leon, Leon Dreisaitl is the number one example in my mind of recent years where that's happened. He was picked third overall, passed over twice, and I would he's the best in that class. Aaron Ekblad was drafted first overall defenseman, so you apples and oranges there. But Sam Reinhart was drafted above him for Buffalo, and he's now playing in Florida. They couldn't like he didn't fit there. Um, yeah, so like. It's all right. Right could have a better career than Slipkovsky. Like it, we're in the first year of these guys' seasons or careers. And and yeah, and there's that rule in the NHL that is very controversial, and I think it's kind of stupid that if Montreal wanted to send Slavkovsky to the AHL for the year, they can. Mm-hmm. But if the Kraken wanted to send Shane Wright down, he has to go back to junior. Like he can't go to the AHL and develop his game down there. Uh, and continue to work it it's either nhl or junior and it's like he was already so dominant in junior does that really do him any good so they keep him up for now but like you see what he's doing in the world juniors like against that age group he's like so dominant so it's like Mm -hmm. i don't know i i heard i think it was uh ray ferraro on the rain drake's podcast i was listening to um or it was a different one i can't remember but they said like 
they wish there was a rule like if you were drafted in the first round, you could go to the AHL. But mm-hmm. anything past that, you'd have to get sent down kind of thing. And I, I think that would be a good rule to throw in there for like, just for guys like that. Like there's the NHL, obviously the best league, any hockey league in the world. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's just a bit too much for those guys coming in at like 18 years old. Whereas if you throw them in the AHL, maybe they, they if you send them to junior, they're going to be too good. Not great and good enough for the NHL, but like the AHL would be a perfect spot to throw a guy for a year or two and develop him. Like Leon Dreisaitl, for instance, like mm-hmm. you were saying, like he got drafted and he's worked his way up. And same with uh, Stuart Skinner on the Oilers, too, just for another guy. Yeah. Like he paid his dues, he worked his way up through the AHL, got too good for the AHL, and now he's in the NHL. Like you work your way up and keep building your game and to fine tuning it and you get your shot at the NHL and then you can actually be a productive like player in the NHL. So, well, even going to that Stuart Skinner thing, like with this whole draft thing, Stuart Skinner, when he was drafted by the Oilers, like he put, was playing Lethbridge with the hurricanes. He goes to play in swift current wins the WHL with them as their goalie, like five shutouts in the playoffs. It's just unreal. Uh, leads them to the Memorial cup basically on his back. And they don't win a game at that tournament. They also had played a hundred, no, ninety-nine games before that tournament. So I mean, like, you're tired already, right? Uh, that tournament's always kind of a wash, depending on what happens. But he was actually sent to Wichita Thunder, the e- East Coast League affiliate of Bakersfield. Like he was sent further down than the minors after he was mm-hmm. after he aged out of the WHL. Um and I know I watched an after hours segment with him and, and Scott Oak. And he said, like, that was a time it's like, do I want to keep doing this? Uh, like, you kind of wonder, like, am I good enough? Right. He battled. He played hard. He played hard. They called the Bakersfield. Then he starts setting the lights out, so to speak, turning them out on other teams. And then he plays when Smith was hurt last year. And now here he is. He played in Calgary the other night. That was game number 21 already for him. Like, that is insane. We have played 38 yeah. games. Like, that's insane. So, it's uh it's interesting where we're at and uh but I hope I hope those players, regardless where you get drafted, I just hope they can do well. Um but Shane Wright watching that happen was just like what is going on? And I mean that like uh I think they said it on draft night too. Like that's that's a uh oh, what do you want to call it? Like from him being projected first going to fourth, like that gives him some motivation right there. Like you didn't think I was good enough to be first overall like i'm going to show you kind of thing like it gives you some drive there too like there's all sorts of different things like you you got drafted into the nhl is a big deal and i <laughs> i feel like that's a pretty great deal so like one to four is it really like that big of a spread i think i think yeah. the media makes it a bigger deal than it is to be honest like <laughs> oh for sure for sure because i'm sure other people would would throw other players you know, that we're listing here on how they benefited later on after being drafted lower. And um, maybe another honorable mention is Brock Purdy right down in, uh, in San Francisco. He's drafted last in the NFL draft and beats Tom Brady, the guy he watched play as a kid, which most people now playing have said the same thing. Um, Anyways, (laughs) that's where that's at. So we have, we have, uh, we have the end of an era and falling stars. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the other side of the break. And we will continue with story number eight. Stay tuned on the MJ Sports Pod.
All right, welcome back to the MJ Sports Pod, uh, Season 1, Episode 14. Mike and Josh with you doing our year review. And we've touched on some honorable mentions. We talked a little bit about the Olympics. We talked about Kerry Anderson, Albert Pujols. Uh, we even touched on Brock Purdy, Mr. Now they're calling him relevant. Uh, as as honorable mentions, uh, story number 10, we titled End of an Era, Roger and Serena Retiring from Tennis. Uh, story number nine was falling stars. We talked about the NHL draft and Shane Wright uh, falling lower. Um, story number eight, we're titling it Super Stafford. Uh, Matt Stafford gets his ring, Josh. Uh, <laughs> he played in Detroit all those years. And first year in L.A. gets her done. Uh, that was probably the best part of 2022 for the Rams because the rest of the season this year has not gone as planned. Um but they defeat the Bengals, who are also a storybook ending or a Cinderella story. I was I was pulling for the Bengals, man. I as they knocked out all the big teams, but alas, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, like <laughs> Vaughn Miller was on that team. It was just Aaron Donald. It was crazy, right? They had a good team. Uh, he finally gets his his Super Bowl ring. What'd you think of it? Yeah, I know. I was pretty happy for him, like especially all those years in Detroit and like not playing on great teams and just always kind of in the bottom of the pack. And I mean, they had a couple years there were like when they had uh, Calvin Johnson and him kind of like dynamic duo sort of status. But uh, yeah, no, I was happy to see Matt Stafford finally get a ring after all the years, all the work he's put in all the years he's been playing and he was loyal to that Detroit team for so long. Oh, And yeah. I mean, like, he kept coming back, kept coming back, and he didn't, like, run away from it, even though they were never really that great. Um, and, like, yeah, like you said, that Super Bowl, like, I was kind of pulling for the Bengals, too, just because of the Cinderella story of that. But, like, that was one of those uh, championship games where it's, like, I don't even care who wins because, like, right. either way, it's a cool story. <laughs> like, right. it's kind of reminded me of uh, Vegas in their first year when they went all the way to the cup final, and it was, like, if they win, it's a story. And I can't remember. Did Tampa beat them that year? Uh, no, Washington. That, that was Ovechkin's oh, year. Oh, Washington. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Because it was either Ovechkin's getting his cup or it's a, uh expansion team going all the way. Like, either way, it's a crazy <laughs> yeah. story in the end. Like, it's one of those kind of one of those kind of deals with the Super Bowl this past year. But, no, I was pretty happy for Matt Stafford, definitely. Yeah. No, I think – and. And it was an entertaining Super Bowl, man. Like, it was back and forth. Um, we talked about that one Super Bowl. I forget the teams, but it was like a 10-3 game. And it was the most boring game I'd ever watched. The halftime show was probably the best part of that game. Uh, but this one, man, the halftime show was lit at SoFi Stadium. The other side of this is that he won it at home, right? Like, the seconds. So, before Tom Brady and the Bucks, no team had ever won the Super Bowl at home. Now we have back-to-back. Um, mm. This year, it's in Arizona. So, uh, I don't know if it'll three peat, but it'll uh, it's it is what it is, and so um, yeah, props to him, man, and we hope he gets better so he can get back on the field. Baker Mayfield's out there, and yeah, that that could be the the honorable mention of how that's all turned, but uh, yeah, Matt Stafford <laughs> finally gets his ring. So, mm-hmm. all right, well, story number seven, uh titled it uh houston we have no problem the astros go back and uh win the world series again man and they beat the phillies the phillies were on a cinderella run in baseball 
um, like just defying the odds and winning. And then all of a sudden, midway through the World Series, Houston threw a combined no hitter, and that turned yeah. after that. Houston Houston walked away with with the World Series. Like it was just uh, Philadelphia could get nothing going, and alas, Bryce Harper still has no World Series ring, but the Nationals do. So, <laughs> um, but but I look at that Astros team. Now everyone looks at them on this on the cheating scandal, uh, the that one year with the banging the garbage cans, everything, whatever. Um, they've completely cleaned house. Dusty Baker finally gets his ring as a manager. He co I forget how many games he'd managed. It was thousands of games. Um, we talked about it the one time on the pod here, but he was so elated to win and and props to him. He took that team when they were in turmoil. Everyone hated them, everyone was booing them when they went to the stadiums, and he's like, No, I'll coach, like I'll lead this team. And and he did. And the Phillies had a great run, but Houston just all of a sudden the middle of that World Series is like, okay, we gotta let's just shut her down here. And they had Verlander, they had like players on there doing crazy things. Verlander's now a New York Met. Um, like things that uh, things were changing and he was he was dealing. He is the first pitcher, I think, to win a, a World Series game in three different decades, which is that's insane. That's not just to not to pitch in three decades, that's to win with and not appear in a World Series to win a World Series start in three different decades. He did it with Detroit, and he did twice with the Astros. Um, so he's going to the Mets. They're hoping that happens again. But it is what it is. And so uh, the Astros winning the World Series, um, story story number seven. you have anything to add to that, Josh? Uh, no, I, like, I think it's just impressive the fact that they uh... – they were able to get back there after like cleaning house, like you said. Like they mm-hmm. had all that as those issues with the cheating scandal and everything, and they kind of clean clean slate almost and ran it back. So like pretty impressive. I don't watch too much baseball, but like that was pretty impressive. Yeah, if you if you listen to our pod, you'll know like I do baseball. The Nate dog does uh, does uh, <laughs> whatever he does NBA. He does every sport, I think. Um, and then Josh also and I and David and Nate all together do Oilers and things. Um, but it is what it is. And it's just kind of cool how we all have our, our niches, if you will. So, um, so yeah, recapping the stories, we have end of an era, Roger and Serena retiring. We have falling stars, the NHL draft story. We have super Stafford, Matt Stafford getting his, his first Super Bowl ring with the Rams the year he got traded from the lions. And then number seven, Houston, we have no problem. Um, story number six, calling a dub dynasty still alive. Uh, the Golden State Warriors defeated the Boston Celtics in the NBA final this past year. Um, the Celtics are a good team, man, and they're gonna they're gonna make some noise. I think uh, this playoffs too. I they've gone deep, they've gone well, they've added the right pieces, and they're just dominant. They're first in the division and in the Eastern Conference as we speak and record this on December 29th. Um, but they defeat the Boston Celtics in, uh, in the NBA finals. And so you have, you have the, the Warriors, people were thinking, Oh, they're, they're done. They had their run. They won those games. They won the finals. Um, can't do it anymore, but they do. They defeat the Celtics. Uh, Andrew Wiggins gets his first ring. Steph, Clay, Draymond, Steve Kerr, all those names get their rings again, another one. Um, and it's just insane to watch. I mean, the, the basketball world was 
was kind of thrown because people thought the Celtics were going to go in there and do it because the Raptors had done it and the we saw the South, the Warriors and the Cavs their their run together for like five NBA finals in a row. Uh just crazy stuff going on. And then you get to this point of um of the NBA final with the Warriors and Celtics, and the Warriors take it and uh and they're they're rolling. So uh Josh, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, it's pretty cool to see. Uh, I think the biggest thing I appreciated or liked about that storyline was the fact that Andrew Wiggins finally got a ring. Um, just because he's one of the better Canadian guys that's in, maybe one of the only Canadian guys in the NBA that's really a uh, predominant player. So it's kind of cool to see him get his first win there. Uh, mm-hmm. Not first win, first ring. And uh, yeah, it's kind of cool to see the Warriors make could come back because they were dominant for so many years and they kind of faded off for a little while uh after kevin durant left and like clay thompson's injury and stuff like that there was uh yeah just some of that falling off from their star power where they're at and the celtics were kind of making up the ground and the power rankings and the uh premier teams sort of thing so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah like like i've mentioned before like nate does the nba with you because i don't watch it too much but uh <laughs> That was one thing I did. I did enjoy was uh, seeing Andrew Wiggins finally get his uh, championship ring. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, it. It was quite the storyline, and I think it'll. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where the Warriors go. You know, to finish off this NBA season that they're currently underway, and the Celtics are, like I said earlier, flying high, uh, first in the East, and so they're they're going to be there again. Not necessarily in the final, but they're going to be talked about, and uh, we'll see where that goes. But we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll recap uh, stories uh, three through five, and then we'll do the top two at the end here. But uh, we'll take a break. We'll be right back on the NJ Sports Pod. Welcome back to the NJ Sports Pod season one, episode number 14, doing our year in review special, if you will. Uh, And here's kind of the stories we've, we did some honorable mentions at the beginning. Story number 10 was end of an era. Roger and Serena retiring at the same time. Uh, story number nine, falling stars, the NHL draft story. Story number eight, Super Stafford's Matt Stafford getting his ring finally against the Bengals with the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Houston, we don't have a problem. The Astros win again, defeating the Phillies. And uh, then the Dub Dynasty still alive. Uh, the Warriors versus Celtics story. Uh, story number five, uh, we've titled uh, Streak Snappers. And uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Josh, were on a tear. Um, many people thought they would three-peat. I've seen them. I saw them lose once live and didn't know if I'd see them lose again. <laughs> they were. They just had an incredible year. They were, I, I don't remember when the last time was. I think it's only once in CFL history there's been a three-peat team or, or it's been 50, 60 years. It's been a long time um, to do back-to-back in today's CFL with only – People will say it's only nine teams, but it still is difficult. Um, and came into this thing, the Argos and Bombers had met six times in Grey Cup history. The Argos held the the close edge of 6-0. and oh. And uh, everyone was kind of like, oh, this is the year the Bombers finally get one against Toronto. And it looked like it until you get to the fourth quarter. There's a blocked field goal, another blocked field goal, and the uh, the Argos win a key interception by Mwamba. Andrew Harris goes three-peat. Winnipeg does not. Uh, a lot of storylines there, but what what intrigued you about that storyline? Uh, I think it was just the uh, the underdog story of the Argos. Uh, like 
I think we, well, we did do kind of a episode on the Grey Cup recap kind of thing. So we have talked right. about some of this stuff before, but the fact that I don't think many people had Toronto favored in that just because of how dominant Winnipeg had been all year. And um, yeah, just the fact that it was kind of that classic storyline of like they have nothing to lose going up against Winnipeg. So just do whatever you got to do kind of thing. Yeah. And then just that dramatic last like five, 10 minutes of that game was pretty wild too. <laughs> Cause that's kind of when I tuned in. Uh, Cause I was, I watched just, I just wanted to watch the end to see who would kind of come away with it. So it was kind of in kind of a funny time to tune in when the block field goals are happening and there's like all this stuff going on. Yeah, it, it was, it was quite the great cup, right? I mean, um, Grant returns the kickoff for touchdown, like end of the third quarter there. And you're like, okay, here go the bombers, right? They're holding out until the end and then they'll pl- pounce it, uh, pounce on them, punch it in. Right. Because the Winnipeg blue bombers are the most dominant fourth quarter team defensively in the CFL the last, I would even say five years. Um, I remember like the ratio of them, the scoring in the fourth quarter, they hadn't allowed a point in the fourth quarter for X amount of games in a row at one point in this dynasty that they've been a part of. Um, Most of the team has resigned since that great cup or mostly, I should say most of the key players have resigned, resigned with the team. Um, So we'll see where it goes. It's going to be an intriguing um, next season. I mean, we've talked a lot about the CFL. We put a bow on it and then it it was like new, new storylines every week. Um, but uh, and Brandon Banks but, too is, cool. yeah, yeah. Brandon Banks winning his Bethel Thompson, and I would say Chad Kelly was key in that great cup because he came in for Bethel Thompson. Uh, he knocked Mwamba finally wins his ring. He'd been in the league like eleven years, I think, or ten years. Like that's insane. And so there's a lot of cool storylines there. Um, for the Ryder fans to have it in Regina. Regina put on a good show. It sounded like I, I mean, I wasn't there, but it sounded like it was a good week for those that were there. Um, and uh, it'll be in Hamilton this next coming year again. And then we'll be off to the West coast for great cup. So um, yeah, the Argos toppling the bombers for me living in Manitoba. It was a good moment, but uh, it was, it was good for them. They're seven and oh in, uh, in their last seven great cups. Like that's just phenomenal to me. Um, but like I say, there's nine teams. It's not like you're beating 32, but it still is hard to win. Football is a hard sport. Um, you got to put it all together for, well, if you're first place, if you were both those teams only had to play one playoff game before getting to the great cup. But I mean, like if you're in the semifinal, you got to put it together for three games in a row perfectly. Um, you can't make mistakes, especially against Winnipeg and Toronto minimized the mistakes. And if they did make a mistake, then they got the ball back. So it was kind of back and forth. Caleros was playing hurt. There's no way anyone can tell us differently. He was just not himself out there. Um, and uh, and Winnipeg, like, they stopped the run, right? So, and we said at the beginning that game, Winnipeg would, or Toronto would have to somehow attack and thwart the pass rush because the secondary wasn't going to be as good as the pass rush, and they did that. And like I said, we're sitting here talking at the end of the year that they won the Grey Cup this year. So, uh, story number five is streak snappers. Story number four, Avalanche Assault. The Colorado Avalanche win their first Stanley Cup in 20... Was it 20 years or 21 years? 21 years, I guess, because 2001 was their first one. Or their yeah, their yeah. last one, I should say. So, yeah. uh, crazy, 
finish. Tampa Bay was here's another story. Right? Tampa Bay's on the verge of a three peat, like things that don't happen in the NHL, and the Avalanche come in and break it, uh, just like the Bombers did for or the Argos did for the Bombers and uh, McKinnon, Landis Cog, uh, McCarr, Kemper, Ratton, all these guys get their their ring. Nazem Kadri gets his first ring. Uh, what's your thoughts, Josh? I mean, that one we watched with the Oilers were against the Avalanche, so we followed that team for four quick games, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> watched them watched them win the Stanley Cup. But what's your thoughts on that story? Yeah, it's good to see. Uh, cool to see the Avalanche pull that off after twenty years, like or twenty one years. Um, I used to play NHL. I think it was 04, 05 on the old computer, and had those teams with Sakic, Kadu, Tongay. Bob Blake, Adam Foot, uh, like David Abisher, like all those guys, Forsberg. Yeah. Uh, so uh, to see this like kind of next generation of guys, well, Sakic's still involved in the team too. It's kind of crazy. So uh, yeah, see yeah. those guys like come like he built that team after like he's kind of built that team up to the championship status and. I mean, you kind of saw it all the, leading up to the fi- Stanley Cup final. Like, there was not really a chance that Colorado wasn't going to win it, just their dominant performance through the season. And then into the playoffs, kept kind of kept rolling on. And I think they swept – I think getting to the finals, they only lost, like, two games or something in the playoffs. Yeah. It was something yeah, it was, like that. Like, they were, they were just so was, dominant. So, like – They made qu- quick work of every team, right? Yeah. So, I mean – they had lots of rest in between rounds compared to other some other teams. So uh, when the Oilers when the Oilers beat the Flames, I was kind of I was like, oh, it's been a nice run. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't I didn't think they beat the Avalanche at all. I was hoping they'd put a bit more of a fight up, but uh, yeah, I didn't see us. I didn't see the Oilers getting past them just the way they had been playing. So, um, but yeah, no, I was happy for all those guys like you were mentioning, like McKinnon, Rantanen, McCarr. McCarr had a huge end of the year there too, like Norris, uh, Stanley Cup champion. And did he have one other award too? Or is it just uh, those two? Well, he won, didn't he win the Conn Smythe? Oh, Conn Smythe, that's what it was, yeah. So, yeah. like, he kind of cleaned house at the, uh, in the big awards at the end there, so. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, yeah, not too shabby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, oh, that's going to be well, a good team for for years to come. So they will, right? And they've signed their guys to extensions. McKinnon just got his, right? Landis Call got his last year. Like they, they'll be there for a while. McCarr's extension is going to be insane when it comes. Um, oh yeah, that one. That's going to be like an Eric Carlson deal. It will sure. be. It will be. Um, he'll be worth it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just insane, right? And I know. Yeah, McCarr was at the awards there cleaning house and then uh what's his name hosting it there through that dig at Austin Matthews when Matthews won. He's like, Oh, nice to see the Leafs win something in June. And yeah, I was like, yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> But uh no, it was good times. So yeah, that's story number four, Avalanche Assault. Uh story number three before we take a break, Lionel Messi and the Argentine you call them Argentinians? <laughs> Argentinian hawks. Team Argentina from the World Cup uh, wins it all, man. And uh, Lionel Messi, I think, has now gone down as the GOAT in soccer. Um, Ronaldo was kind of the guy, and then Ronaldo got benched in the World Cup, and his replacement scored a hat trick, so there's no chance he was going back on the pitch. 
Um, just crazy stuff. And Lionel Messi was just a magician, right? Like when Canada got eliminated, I turned to the Netherlands as I usually do in the World Cup because Canada's usually not there. And Messi just, they beat the Netherlands in penalty kicks, but one of the plays he made was just insane. Like it was like a back foot, maybe it wasn't back foot, but kick through the uh, the Netherlands player's legs to his other guy who scored. Like it was just like, h- how do you do that on the fly so quickly? And that's one play, right? I mean, in the final he scored, like he was just all over the pitch. And I don't follow soccer intensely. I like the World Cup because I feel it's actually a world tournament. Well, it is. Um, not like the world series or the NFL world champions or the NBA world champions, but yeah, that's aside. And so to see Messi and team Argentina win, um, was just, I mean, you can't rank that any lower. I think on the sports stories of the year, it'll be near the top of everyone's list. Um, to see them like it was, it's probably well, it was his last world cup. I think he even said that and it was like, okay, let's go ride or die and get this done. And, and they did. And they, like I say, they're in penalty kicks for a few games. Like it wasn't like they won easily, but they just slugged it out and uh, crowned champions of the world. And we'll get to defend that title uh, in Canada, U.S., Mexico, joint North American bid in 26. But uh, any thoughts on that uh, messy story? Yeah, no, it's pretty, pretty cool. Um, like I've said before, I don't really pay much attention to the, uh, I don't really watch soccer or the World Cup, but uh Kind of similar to what I said about uh, our number 10 story about Serena and Roger Federer. Like, I don't know. I don't think I've watched a single soccer game, but I know who Lionel Messi is. Like, just he, mm-hmm. he's one of those big name players. And uh, it was pretty impressive. Like, pretty cool to see him kind of go out on a championship as well. If he, if he is indeed kind of calling it quits on his career there. Or I guess maybe not his career, but World Cup. By the time the World Cup comes around, he might not be playing anymore, yeah. but to uh, go out of the world, his last World Cup that way with the championship was pretty cool, and then the celebration was crazy, those videos and pictures of Argentina, like oh, like the street, like, I think you were telling me they had to, like, fly the team in with a helicopter because the roads were blocked with so many people, they couldn't get vehicles through, like Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't even like a, a mob in the sense of a negative word, they all just wanted to thank the team for the fun run, <laughs> But Buenos yeah. Aires, they have the team flying over in helicopters um, to get to where they need to be. Like it was, just, it was insane and um, just a masterful moment. So that's masterful, Messi. Um, so we have end of an era. Roger and Serena. We have falling stars. We have Super Stafford, Houston. We don't have a problem. Dub Dynasty alive. Streak Snappers. Avalanche Assault and Masterful Messi. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back on the MJ Sports Pod to recap the top two stories of 2022. Stay tuned. We'll be right back on the MJ Sports Pod. Welcome back to the MJ Sports Pod, Season 1, Episode 14. Uh, here with Josh, we're recapping the top 10 stories of 2022. And so far, we have end of an era with Roger and Serena retiring. We have Falling Stars, the NHL draft story. We have Super Stafford. Matt Stafford finally getting his Super Bowl ring with the Rams versus the Bengals at the beginning of 2022. Houston, we don't have a problem. The Astros taking out the Phillies in the World Series. Dub Dynasty still alive. Warriors and Celtics story. 
We have Streak Snappers as the Argos ended the Bombers' bid for a three-peat Avalanche Assault as the Avs ended the Tampa Bay's bid for a three-peat and took their first Stanley Cup in 21 years. Masterful Messi as Argentina wins the World Cup, and that brings us to story number two. And we're calling it Alexander the Great. And I think, Josh, we won't won't unveil the top story yet, but um, if the top story wasn't what it was, I think this one would be number one, Alexander Ovechkin getting... Well, first two eight hundred goals—that's that's a masterful moment in itself. But then to pass um, Gordy Howe here just recently, and uh, I know as we're recording this, the other night he had another goal, so he's he's starting to climb towards uh, Wayne Gretzky. Less than a hundred to go now, and uh, just an incredible career. And the fact that we've gotten to grow up watching this—I mean, everyone tells me like oh man like the Gretzky days were something else but the fact that we're getting to see Ovechkin play live in our era is just like a treat yeah no it's it's crazy like if he I'd say give him this season and two more and if he kind of stays consistent enough he easily walks over like passes Gretzky Mm -hmm. um and if he does that like that would be insane and I could see him sticking around for a couple more years to try it for it like when you're the when you're past how and you're like I got one more guy to beat like I don't know how you could stay away like and just be like oh it's good enough like <laughs> well exactly so. and the the other night I saw a post uh, it said Stamkos bidding for goal five hundred <laughs> I was like yeah. oh he's got a long way to go no yeah. uh, but uh, but it is right and I mean we've talked about it too him and him and Crosby Crosby will always have more points I think like I know they're pretty close. But yeah. Crosby, I think, will finish with more points just because he's more of a playmaker than Ovechkin is. But yeah. uh, to watch Ovechkin just rip those, and I would say probably 70% of his goals have come from that face-off dot. Like, it's just insane. It's like dry cycle. He sits on the other side, and no one can seem to stop him. I, no matter what they try to do, um, it just is what it is. And um, But, yeah, to watch Ovechkin do what he's doing is just masterful. And it's... The other side of it that was kind of irked Winnipeg fans because it happened against them, but the fact that he scored the goal to pass Gordy Howe in the old Capitals jerseys because that's what he scored his first goal in, um, with the Screaming Eagle, right? Like, it it was just kind of a cool moment. Like everyone's like, this guy cool that he would, you know, get second place all time, at the same time as wearing this jersey because they brought it back. Thank goodness for reverse retro program, um, but yeah. it's. It is pretty cool, but uh, yeah, how high he climbs. I think you're right, though. I think a couple more seasons he'll have it in the bag. I mean, we'll see where he ends up this year. Who's to say he doesn't get 50 this year, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's insane, but um, yeah, props to Alexander Ovechkin, the great eight. Um, they were calling it the great, great hundred the other day with the GR800, but um <laughs> Is what it is. They got a countdown in the stadium there. The mascot unrolls the next number every night they score another goal. So uh or that he scores another goal, I should say. And uh just just incredible moments here, but yeah, no, it's uh like you said, it's kinda crazy that uh we're getting to watch this unfold, like why we're watching hockey. Yeah. And like you like you said, like uh from people who watched Gretzky play, it's like, oh like I saw Gretzky and like Messier and those Oilers teams, even like how good those teams were and those players were and stuff. And then uh, mm-hmm. we're kind of getting to see a whole new era of the NHL with another like yeah amazing set of players here. And, like guys like Crosby and Ovechkin and now like 
you got guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl and Jack Eichel and guys like that coming through now too. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's been it's been amazing, man. And I think like I think if the NHL players were at the Olympics, this might be a higher hockey story. But just what he's done is just incredible. I mean, we've I remember being at hometown hockey when he notched career goal five hundred. And that seems ages ago now, right? Like it's insane that he scored 300 goals since then. And that was 2016. I think like that, it's not even that long ago, six years, but he scored 300 goals since that's 50 goals a season on average. And it's just an insane pace. I mean, people are wondering if McDavid will get his first 50 goal season. Ovechkin's just ripping them every year. So, um, (laughs) let's say like, so McDavid then is the playmaker, right? On the Oilers. Like, for the first yeah. four seasons, they were telling him, shoot more, don't pass. <laughs> like, <what? laughs> um, And now he's shooting more and he's had a great year, but that'll be maybe a story to finish off for 2023. But uh, that's where we're at. So our top 10 stories, end of an era, Roger and Serena, falling stars, the NHL draft story, Super Stafford. Stafford gets his ring with the Rams versus the Bengals. The Astros defeat the Phillies in Houston. We don't have a problem. Warriors versus Celtics, Dub Dynasty still alive. The Streak Snappers, the Argos defeating the Bombers, uh, the Avalanche Assault, the Avalanche defeating the Tampa Bay Lightning, extinguishing the Lightning. I don't know, snuffing it out. I don't know what the phrase would be there. (laughs) (laughs) Masterful Messi at number three with the World Cup win. And uh, the Great Eight, Alexander the Great uh, at number two. Number one story. I don't think it's a doubt, and it pains me even as a Blue Jays fan to put this up there, but Aaron Judge, uh, the story will title it All Rise. Uh, Aaron Judge hits home run 62 this past season, passing Roger Maris uh, for AL record, most home runs in a single season. Like, just, I don't even know what to say anymore. I mean, as he's cranking them, we're all like, oh, man, this is amazing what he's doing, amazing what he's doing. And now he did it, and it's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was wild. Like, even I was like following along with it and I don't watch baseball, but like, as I was seeing these things, like how he's getting closer and closer, I was like, Oh my goodness. Like he's, he could do it. And uh, I actually saw a funny story the other day uh, on Facebook um, about the guy who caught that ball number 62 and uh, he was offered $3 million for it when he first had it. And the, uh, by the Yankees, and, right? Uh, I can't remember who offered, who offered it, but he, uh, sold it at auction recently for one and a half that was the most yeah. he got out of it so like he <laughs> cut, cut his price in half by holding on to it for that much that much amount of time which is kind of wild it's the age we're in right like even when yeah. he was at home run like 58 people are like oh what is the what is the 62 ball gonna cost you know and it's like he's not even there yet he's got eight more home and he almost didn't he went a streak of like three or four games without a home run and people are like uh, the season's over next Friday, you know, like, it's like <laughs> yeah. up. Uh, he tied it in Toronto, which was kind of cool. Um, not for Blue Jays fans. Cause I think we lost that game, but it was, uh, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. That's unreal. You yeah. don't like pools hitting 700. It's not something that happens every day. Right. And it's, it's an amazing, uh, feat. Aaron judge then held out. This is the best part of the story for me. Like I think contracts in baseball are stupid, but the fact that they offered him 17 and a, I think it was a six year deal. I was reading the other day, um, 17 million that is for the season with the six year deal attached to it after. Um, he said, Nope. He said, if you can't give me a good deal before training before uh regular season, then I ain't signing anything. 
So they didn't, and they, he said, fine, I'll play, and you'll see what I'm worth. And uh, he just set a record for, like, highest average salary in a season. He signed a nine-year, $300 million contract. It's north of $300 million. But, like, he added three years to what they were going to offer him. He added a boatload of money. Um, yeah. He was then also named the captain of the of the New York Yankees, which I didn't even know there was that was a thing. Um, I guess you have to have team leaders, but I was like, what? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know baseball had captaincies either. Actually, that was I. I was like, man, he's just raking it in, and that's at first. Like, did they just make up that title just to give him something else? Um, (laughs) (laughs) But but phenomenal, man. But Aaron Judge is one of the best in baseball. Um, Like you say, as a Blue Jay fan, it's so frustrating to watch because he's in our division. But you can't deny what he did this year. and I'm still waiting for all the articles to come out wondering if he was doing steroids because that's always – no athlete can do good now without drugs, apparently. Like, every time someone does good, they're like, fine, test me because I don't do drugs. But we've yeah. got so many other things. So, But uh, Aaron Judge, number 62, passing Roger Maris all time for an AL record, um, is our number one story of the year. So well, let's recap them quick. Number 10, end of an era. Number 9, falling stars. Number 8, Super Stafford. Number seven, Houston, we don't have a problem. Number six, Dub Dynasty alive. Number five, Streak Snappers. Number four, Avalanche Assault. Number three, uh, Masterful Messi. Number two, The Great Eight. And number one, All Rise. And that's kind of our top ten. Josh, do you have anything to add to that top story here before we wrap up the show? I was just going to say, was his home run record, was that an MLB record or just the AL no, uh, Barry Bonds has the record for. Can you guess how many there are in that season? And it's, I don't know, a hundred, seventy-three. Oh, okay. but he was. But he also he he was using uh, some uh, extra juice, wasn't he? <laughs> he was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. But no, that's uh, that's our stories, guys. And, and like I said at the beginning, at the opening, we we thank you for listening. It's it's fun to do this. We have no idea how many people this hits, but it's funny. Like some days, I have people like, "Oh, I heard this on the pod." It's like, "Oh, cool." Um, <laughs> so there are people listening. We know. We thank you for that. It's been a ride. Uh, we will be back. We'll probably take a couple weeks here, a week or two, and then get back into potting here once the New Year uh, routine gets rolling a bit. But um, we're thankful that you listen, and uh, we want to wish you a happy, safe and happy New Year. And uh, I wish we could – we should put some of these clips maybe on um, on our Instagram page because every time I went through the stories and I hit uh, Houston, we don't have a problem, uh, Josh would burst out laughing. <laughs> like, I could see his big smile on his face. I was trying not to laugh as I went through the rest of the stories. Well, that's a good name. I didn't because you didn't tell me any of the names of the, the stuff you had, so it just struck me funny that first time. No, well, and you know, like TSN does their year in review. I don't even know if they did it this year, but uh, they they usually have their year in review, and they have these like quirky names for all the headlines. And all of a sudden, I was like, because like I like we said in that story, the Phillies were going to run with that. It looked like, and then all of a sudden, the Astros were like, no problem. They held held yeah. on and took it. So. But, uh, but yeah, we want to wish you guys a safe and happy new year. We thank you for listening and, uh, we'll be back. We'll kick off the new year with episode 15 of the MJ sports pod. Um, stay tuned for when that, whenever that comes out. <laughs> <laughs> see you in a month. Yeah, see you in a month.
As always, <laughs> if you want to reach us, you can do so. Email mjsportspod at gmail.com. Twitter, Instagram, at mjsportspod. We have a Facebook page, mjsportspod. I should just say it's, it's just everything's mjsportspod. Um, and you can then find <laughs> us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate us, click subscribe. Let us know how we can make this podcast better. But uh, yeah, to wrap up 2022, 14 episodes under the belt, Josh. It's been a ride. And uh, we'll be sure to get back and uh, make more episodes for you guys. So uh, take care and have a safe and happy new year.